Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you're listening to the Five Minute Talk Show with Bill Iazetta. We're bringing you today's best comedy and entertainment personalities. Now, your host, Bill Iazetta. And welcome back to the podcast. The guest of the hour. I just love talking to you more than anyone else in the comedy world. I don't know I'm, why. Because I'm stupid. <laughs> no, because you'll talk to me. Carlos Mencia. Because I'm the only one willing to talk to you. <laughs> I'm the only one willing to take your little comedy thing seriously. Wow. <laughs> that kind of hurts, man. I bring you everywhere from the satellite company. I feel you, dude. I feel the you. National Lampoon. And I, I feel you, bro. I feel me. you. Carlos, <laughs> where have you been, man? I mean, you, you were gone for such a long time. I had a chance to catch up to you in Miami. Right. You're better than ever. Like anything in life, sometimes it gets to a point where people take you for granted. You know what oh, I mean? Stop. No, 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 no one took you for granted. Sure, sure, sure you did. It, 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 not in a bad way, but when you have a TV show, here's what happens. If you have a TV show that has sketches, mm-hmm. it has a shelf life. Right. Because here's what happens. You do. You make an excellent point because Saturday Night Live, I mean, look at that. Overnight. But here's the difference. No, <laughs> you, good point to make, except they haven't had the same cast the whole time. And their their shelf life, if you look at the relevant, the, the life of relevance of that show, it's never been over three years. No cast has been like, oh, my God, we got to watch for over three years. Mm-hmm. They're relevant for about one to three at the most, whether it's that show, whether it was Mad TV, whether it was In Living Color, whether it was Chappelle's show, whether it was my show. And here's why. Because it's not about nuance. It's about big picture stuff. Mm -hmm. So when we do a sketch, per se, on immigration, Mm -hmm. you did immigration. So two years later, when another immigration thing comes up, it's like we already did the immigration bit. Whereas to when you do a weekly show or a daily show, as an example, how many bits on the president do you think they've done on the daily show? Oh, my goodness. Hundreds? (laughs) Thousands, right. If I had a sketch show, I couldn't do that. Right. I could do one to three at the most, and that's it. And so we begin, we have a shelf life. Well, take me through that. The rotation. That, take me through the mind of Mencia, because I know the, the season one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. One of the best shows that I've seen, comedy-wise, sketch shows. Right. You were right there on par with Chappelle's show. Yeah. I mean, it was hilarious. Thanks, man. It was fun. How hard is that, though? Because how many, how many episodes? 22? Extremely difficult. 22 yeah, that one, one had season? 20 extremely difficult because as i said right first of all when you're doing a weekly show you hit home runs right you know whereas to what people don't understand when you do a daily show you you can you can have segments that you know that that's why every pretty much every daily show has a guest right that's because you can't write 20 minutes of comedy every single day that's fresh i don't care you would literally have to have 40 writers on a staff in, in order to do that somewhat well so you have to have your moment is in at the end not 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 very time consuming to produce Mm -hmm. and an interview so now you're left with opening monologue a bit you know what i mean and and those are the 12 minutes that you really have to focus on and then the the rest is something that you can do on a daily basis with our show didn't work that way we had every single segment had to be great and we had to try to write it to be great and that being said, 
run into the it's been done already how do we do that how do we make that different how how do you produce this so it doesn't look like something that you've done before so shed, shed some light on this then because everybody gives i'm so tired of PMB, people being critical about other creative people like dave Chappelle when he walked away from the show everyone's saying how could he walk away from 50 million dollars shed some light on that it's though. easy please explain it's easy because we don't do this for the money we never have. Here's when it when I understood money, all right? I didn't have a TV show. I, I think I had a cable show at the time or or some like on, on Que Locos. I don't even think it was. It, I think it was after my HBO specials, but like a few years after. I'm doing a show at a comedy club in San Antonio, all right? I'm guaranteed $4,000. Tickets are 20 bucks. They seat 350 we sold out six shows, right? Added another show. So we sold out seven shows. They generated over $32,000 or something like that in revenue. Some, some crazy astronomical number. I walked away with, I think, six grand. All right? So, <laughs> so unfair. 20% of the door right. is what I walked away with. Now, they could have given me a bonus. It, it, you, you know, I'll tell you what happened. This is a true story. I'm staying at the condo of this comedy club. And I made some phone calls back home. So it was long distance because that back in those days, it was, you know, from Texas to L.A. <laughs> oh, long distance, AT&T, whatever. Not only did I only make six grand out of 30-something, swear to God, they sent me a bill for $27 and something cents. Not a joke. Because of that, when when you see that and that hits you in the face, you go, okay, I see what this is about. <laughs> so then the next time you negotiate, you're like, I want 80% of the door. Yeah. Well, we can't have that. Then I won't come. I, I know how much money you're you're making in, in sales. And, and then you start buddying up to to managers and, you know, they'll, they'll let shit slip. Like, oh, my God, Carlos, man, we had to order 50 extra cases of Bud Light because your people, don't, we ran out of Bud Light last time. Right. So then so then I'll call them and, you know, I'll say, say to my agent, I want 80%. And then when they say no, say, by the way, um, how much was your F&B average for Carlos as opposed to other people? And say that. Say that specifically. Say F&B. So they'll understand that we know. Food and beverage, right? Right. So then all of a sudden, you know, I go, yeah. It's normally 13 and with me, it was $21.36, you know? So I, and I don't care if the manager gets in trouble. It's not, that's not my, that, that has nothing to do with me. But doesn't that bother you that you have to go through that? Because think about the whole message. And that's what I try to tell people. You but know. you have to, because if you don't, then they'll just stay. Look, it's not like they'll give you favors later on in life. Right. It's not like when your career sucks or you're at a down that they want to give you the freebie and be like, Hey man, we remember when, you know, you used to, we used to make a lot of money, you know, now you find yourself in a different place. Let, let us, let us help you make some money. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll do this for you or that for you or it doesn't, it doesn't, it rarely works that way. No, Carlos, rarely works that way. I got to ask you this though, but knowing what I know now and what you're explaining to all of us, why are comedians so jealous of one another? Because why, we're self-centered, like a- egocentric, but that's our nature. Yeah, but I'm not going to name names. But that's our nature. But a couple guys did something to you a few years ago. But that's our nature. But why? Because before we make it, before we become successful, right. we believe that if that guy didn't get the show, I would have. Come on. 
See, that's that's really what they believe. Are you guys really that crazy, all of you? <laughs> I mean, really? Yes, we are. We are. And by the way, at times, um, they're not wrong. You know what I mean? At times, they're not wrong. Given given who you are, what your ethnic background is, and what time you are coming up in the world, you know, it happens. I've heard from networks, we already have our Hispanic show. This wasn't in, this wasn't before 2000, by the way. This was after 2000. This was not 20 years ago or 10 years ago. This was just a few years ago. So when when I hear or any Paul any any of us Latino comics here, we're not going to do another Latino show because we already have one. You know, it's either that guy or you, and so it creates that kind of. An, an atmosphere for these people. I what was, I wish on all I those was guys, blown away though, Carlos. Success. George Lopez is a guy who I've been a huge fan of for years. Right. He said something about you once. About me? You know what he it said? It blew Listen, my mind. Let me tell you what. Don't be surprised. I, and, I, and, and, and it's on Howard Stern. George actually said on Howard Stern one time. That's exactly what I was getting to. That Because Howard said, don't you want other comedians that are Hispanic to be successful? And he said, no, I want to be the only one. He literally said that. Not about me. I just remember. about period. Yeah. I don't know that he's there now, but I understand it's, it's kind of not his fault because they put us against each other in that way. So when you have one role, five top comics in that age group that can do that role, we know if that guy gets it, I'm not going to get it. And this is an opportunity for me to be on network television. So it creates an environment of, you know, if I if I don't get it, then they're going to get it. And if they get it, I can't get it. And and I understand that. But at the end of the day, what's yours is going to be yours. And you don't take roles away from anybody. It's just not the way it works. It's either they pick you and you're the right guy for that role or you're not. And and that's it. And so I think it takes maturity. I think it takes, you know, the interesting thing about what's going on in comedy right now with me is a lot of these young guys who were very critical of me early on, now have a little bit of success. You know, they'll, they're on a cable show, you know, that's not hugely successful, but successful enough. <laughs> and they're calling me up and go, how'd you deal with it? Right. And sometimes I'm like, really? You are going to ask me <laughs> how to deal with people that treated me like you treated me? Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> and I'll tell them, and I'll tell them, this is what I do, this is what I did, this is how I dealt with it. You know, so so you... So you learn how to live with it. But, yeah, it's it's at the time you're just like, wow, especially when you're not ready for it, you know, because I came from the ghetto. So I expected that kind of stuff when I was in the ghetto. And but when I got to that place, you know, when I ended up on Comedy Central and I'm doing well, I thought, all right, this is all these people aren't going to be ghetto like that. And when they were, I was like, these people are exactly like the people that I grew up with. You know, the, oh, Mr. College, you're going to college, homes for real? Oh, Mr. I'm getting straight A's. Hey, Mr. I speak English perfectly, you know? And I was like, I, I thought that I had gotten rid of those people, but it didn't work out that way. And and, and it, it a lot of it, though, has to do with our personalities. We write, direct, produce and star in our own production every single night. Nobody else tells us what to do. Nobody else tells us how to do it. That's my show, how I'm going to do it. And it takes a certain kind of person 
to to have that to, to have that kind of an attitude. It's time to get out to Jackie the Joke Man Martling for Jackie's Joke of the Week. O'Flanagan, Ravelli, and Stakowski. O'Flanagan, Ravelli, Stakowski are all going for the same job. The guy's interviewing him, he's got no ears. O'Flanagan goes in first. The guy says, my friend, the job you're applying for requires a palace of observation. Make an observation about me. He says, but you've got no ears. Just get out. Ravelli goes in. He says, my friend, the job you're applying for requires the powers of observation. Make an observation about me. He says, oh, that's easy, boss. you got no ears. Just get out. Ravelli goes out in the lobby. He says to Stakowski, hey, listen. The guy doing the interview has got no ears. He's <laughs> a little bit sensitive about it. Whatever you do, don't bring it up. Stakowski says, all right. My friend, the job you're applying for requires the powers of observation. Make an observation about me. Stakowski says, you wear contacts. It's terrific observation. You're absolutely right. How could you tell us? How could you wear glasses? You got no ears. For more Jackie Martling, go to jokeland.com. And welcome back to the 5-Minute Talk Show. How do you stay normal, though? Because, like, what's the balance? Because you have family. You have friends that are around you. Is well, that it's what that hump. You? Right. We, we all get to a place where we get some kind of success. Right. All of us do. It's, it's going beyond that first level of success. Whatever that plateau that you hit is, you know, it's being able to go beyond it. How do you decompress, though? Like, what's a normal day? Like, when you just say, all right, I'm not Carlos the comedian today. I need my sanity. Like, what do you do to separate? I don't know. On, a, on any, any day, it's something different. You know, one day it's getting high. One other day it's getting drunk. Another day it's going jet skiing. Another day, it's just watching TV. Another day, it's going for a swim. You know, another day, it's going for a ride on my motorcycles. Another day, it's, oh, no, you know, you're, hanging you're out with my kid. Mo- Carlos, you're not in a motorcycle. Into right? him? What are you talking about? I have oh, 13 no. motorcycles. Are you serious? Very See, serious. Now I'm, afraid, now I'm going to be worried about you. Why are you worried about because me? Because motorcycles, two wheels, they don't do it Oh, they're me. not. Uh, <laughs> my, my motorcycles are all custom, chill motorcycles. Okay. They're not like, you, you could hear me coming from a mile away. Okay. Like, maybe, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. If, if you saw me on a helicopter, followed me on my motorcycle, what you see is cars literally getting out of my way <laughs> to let me to let me ride. I'm not even kidding you. And then stopping or, or slowing down to take pictures of me on my motorcycle. My motorcycles are pictures of art. Now, 13, where, when did this start? Like, when did you get into motorcycles? Um, I got into motorcycles by accident mm-hmm. because a really good friend of mine at the time was having trouble with financial troubles. And he had this really nice motorcycle. And he's like, um, buy my motorcycle off me. I need the money, but I don't want to ask you. But, you know, I know you like motorcycles. So what kind, what kind of, uh... this was a, uh, it was a chopper. It was an American iron horse chopper with spinners. They literally had spinners on the rims. And I was like, I was so in love with the spinners. I was like, I fucking want this bike. So I bought it. And then from that point on, I would go to bike shows and meet master builders. And I would have the guys that I like build me my bikes. So all of my bikes custom built exactly specifically just for me. Like if I ever get into financial troubles, that's when you'll know, like when I'm selling my motorcycles. So that's your most prized thing that you have, not cars, motorcycles. Yeah, but I don't ride them all the time anymore, but they're works of art. If you came and you saw me, you'd be like, wow, these things are made. They're beautiful. Even if I just take them around the block every once in a while. For me, it's just Out of complete ignorance. Yes. Like what's the most you've spent on a motorcycle? Because I'm a car guy and that gets ridiculous. But motorcycles, do they get up there? Because I know Ducatis and some Harleys are expensive. Well, the most expensive motorcycle that I know of that's ever sold 
as far as I know, is one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. Okay, that I know Still of. Up there. And what is that? Do well, we yeah, it's up there for for what it is. I mean, it's literally a frame and two with, wheels. You know, with <laughs> right. yeah, with some ironwork. Right. You know, with some guy that did some really beautiful ironwork and a nice paint job. I mean, look, it can't be. No matter what you do to a motorcycle, I don't think that any motorcycle goes over anywhere. I, I would venture to say that 45, 50 grand is the most okay. that you can put into it. And that's including like saying, I pay that guy $50 an hour to make a, <laughs> right. to make a tank. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's not that many. There aren't that many parts. You have a break in the front, a break in the back calipers chrome you, chrome <laughs> right. you know what i'm saying steel i mean you, you don't have that much you have an engine that that can only cost so much it doesn't matter what you do can only cost so much it's time for bob zany in this week's zany report hey, it's bob zany uh bobzany.com with the zany report uh let's get right to it like going on the news in iowa police say a man was shot by his brother while squirrel hunting. Police are unable to interview the suspect because every time they say squirrel, he looks the other way. This is interesting, good news, bad news time. Here's the bad news. In Alaska, more than half of public school students failed a grade level test in English, math, and science. The good news, more than 95% of them knew Jimmy had two dads. And finally, let's get right over to Omaha, Nebraska. The fire department wants to charge $400 a pop for helping people uh, he picked up who have fallen, prompting Life Alert to unveil their new slogan, I've fallen and I can't afford to get up. On the Twitter, at Bob Zaney, Zaney Bob on the Instagram. Till next time, bay bay. And welcome back to the 5-Minute Talk Show. The generation of people, specifically Americans, that steal from artists is unprecedented. Unbelievable. How much they steal from us is ridiculous. And for them to have the balls to throw that at that label at me when it's like, well, wait, wait a minute. First of all, if it wasn't for you mother stealing our content, I would have at least $10 million more in the bank personally. Let me not talk about my friends who make music, who used to make $30 million and now make three because you don't pay for music. But then that makes me understand why this generation is so apt to believe that other people are like them because it's, they don't know me. They project, Hey, did you hear about Carlos? He steals. Well, yeah, I steals. Of course he steals. They don't think that way, but that's what they're basically saying. It's easy for them to believe that because that's where they live. Well, yeah, I, I got all my songs for free. I get to watch that TV show for free. I don't want to watch commercials. I get that you don't want to watch commercials, but if you enjoy art, you have to. At some point, somebody's got to pay for that. Or we're going to end up with YouTube three-minute clips, and that's what we're going to watch for the rest of our lives. We're keeping up with the Kardashians. Carlos Mencia joining no, us. No, but even that won't. Even that won't because at a certain point, those people got to get paid or they won't. See, that's my point. Like, you have to understand that things have to get made a certain way or it, 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 it the system doesn't function the way it does. And these people... They, they, you know, they want everything for free. That's fine. But somewhere along the line, people are going to pay like Metallica, Aerosmith, U2. Those bands will probably 
never exist again. And I don't mean those specific bands. I mean bands like those. In 20 years from now, there won't be any of those bands. Because there's no monetary reason now, to keep Carlos, them together. They're not around now. But, but there's a right. reason for that. Because money kept these guys together. Right. Album sales kept them together. And because they sold so many albums, they became iconic. And because they became iconic, then they were able to sell out big arenas for big money and come out every once in a while, every three or four years, and do hell froze over again. Let's do another tour with the Eagles. But we won't have bands like that. Because bands today do one or two albums, and then it's not worth dealing with this guy's crap. How much money did we make last year? Two million bucks. Two million bucks sometimes, it's, it's, it's not a reason to, to, to sell your soul. Whereas to, you know, when you're doing album sales in the 70s and 80s, and you guys made hundreds of millions of dollars, and now it's all the cream on top, then you stay together. There's no reason to do it anymore. And it's all because of the way the system's done. So there's always going to be somebody that pays. It's short-sightedness. But that's, that's, that's why, for me, it's become comical. This is what you said, what allows people like me to keep going? That. That we're <laughs> able to see that and go, okay, that's... And not be bitter about it and go, okay, that's fine. I get where it goes. And you're not even jaded, which is great. No, I'll sell t-shirts. <laughs> right. You know what? I'll sell more t-shirts. Also, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I make it up in other ways. I record every single show. And at the end of the at the end of the night, you can purchase a copy of the show that you just saw that night. So for me, it's like, okay, I see where this is going. I'm gonna figure out how to work around it and you know now, Carlos, and, and it, give an if experience. People want to buy some of your shows, like the Miami improv show that I went to. Yeah. Let's say I wanted to buy that. Could yeah. I go on your website and pick that up? Yeah, you can you can go on the website or pick it up, or you can go to the website and get an email, and then just send an email and say, "Hey, I was at a show." You can literally go. I was at a show in 1996 at this comedy club at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, and you'll have it. Yeah, it's archived somewhere. You heard him. Go to and Carlos. I just, I just be like, "There you go." <laughs> go to carlosmencia.com dot yeah. com. Yeah. and send him a note. I, I'm that's, amazed you do answer everyone. Yeah. But but that's that's part of like what bothered me way back in the day when people were like talking about plagiarism and all that. I was like, I record every single show. I know I could tell you when I wrote a joke. I could, I could not only can I could tell you the day I wrote the joke, like the literal moment that I came up with it. And then you can actually see how I told that joke on Thursday, and then a month later recrafted it recrafted right. it and how it changed and morphed into something completely different that led into something you could literally see the progression of that little nugget that turned into something completely different but you know people are a little you know of course they are of course they are. <laughs> so you don't know yeah but yeah that's why you got to change that's why you got to move that's why you got to like evolve and, and but but at the end of the day here's what it is i realized that i do really well in life and i tell jokes and I could be in Syria right now, you know, dead because I happened to live in the wrong neighborhood where they put sarin gas. I mean, that that's, could have been us. Mm -hmm. and, and my point is not to make people feel guilty or sad or anything like that. It's the opposite. You know, you know what's funny? When you embrace death, right, it makes your day better. And people, a lot of people don't get that. They think, well, if I feel like I'm going to die, I'm going to be sad anticipating death. It's actually the opposite. Um, if a doctor were to tell you, you have a year to live, there's going to be that moment of what? No, you got to be kidding me. But right after that is 
I'm going to live life to its fullest. I am going to make this year the best year of my life. I'm going to do everything I wanted to do. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to, I'm going to, every little thing. And that's how you can embrace all of this positive stuff is, is, you know what? There are people starving in the world, but I am going to have a seven course meal tonight <laughs> at one of the best restaurants hanging out with Enzo at the win. And I'm not saying that to demean them. There's right. nothing I could do. I donate money. I do the best that I can. I'm a philanthropist. I give to charity. But at the end of the day, I'm going to celebrate my life. Right. I'm going to celebrate the gift that I have. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I mean? And that's how I live. And and that changed everything for me. Well, Carlos, that made it better, funner. You know what I mean? It's a good. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Well, Carlos, thank you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for oh, taking always, the time for bro, us. Always. And, and please, I mean, you can't take 19 years like Arsenio Hall before we see you on TV again. No, That's, and and by the way, if I do, I'm not going to have the same guest that I had on 19 years ago. <laughs> Seriously, Arsenio, what, what wasn't Snoop on the last show you did 20 years ago? I mean, for real. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, that's the one thing. And you ask why I went away. That's why I went away. Because I wanted to evolve. Because I wanted to become better. Because I wanted to become a different person than the same guy that you saw before. I wanted to create different nuances. You know, it's like, I don't want to be the guy where you know all my tricks. And when you do, then I got to come up with something different. Then I got to feel something different. Then I got to go somewhere different, you know. And and that's... That to me is where it's at. Thank I gotta you go. so much for spending time with us, and please be back. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> well, I'm gone then. Bye. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Five Minute Talk Show. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and keep listening at Five Minute Talk Show.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.